Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we dive into an amazing conversation with the founders of Wise and Well, Maria and Kristen. comfortable in your skin right and having you know we start to notice that change in the skin and we start to really notice the change in body composition and that's when we see these women sort of beating themselves up with their training and their physicality and you know we hate to say it but if you have low estrogen and low testosterone that body composition change you're kind of fighting an uphill battle it's not something that you can necessarily move the needle on without you know, having sufficient hormones on board. It's like as if you took a man and took all his testosterone away. He'd have a drastically different body. You know, women need that too. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast from benazadi.com. I had so much fun on today's conversation with Maria and Kristen. This is the first time they've been on the show, and you're going to love them. They talk about why they got involved in the health space. They both have very different backstories, which led them down a similar path. And you're going to hear why the conventional way of treating symptoms with medications and surgeries, etc., fails to get to the root cause. And if you're having a challenge with your doctor, maybe your doctor doesn't want to hear about keto, maybe your doctor refuses to run additional tests, they're going to give you some feedback on how you could overcome that and why lifestyle changes can actually impact your body by potentially training less by focusing on sleep, focusing on whole foods, we get back to the basics. And then we get into their specialty, which is perimenopause and postmenopausal women. We talk about making that transition, a smooth transition into perimenopause and then full on menopause. If you're a guy listening to this, you're going to want to stay and listen to the full episode. I always say you have women in your life, whether it's a wife, a girlfriend, a friend, a colleague, and it's important to understand their hormonal cycle and what they're dealing with or what they're going through during their time of life. We also get into some practical steps. This is very important for women who are cycling right now. Practical steps you can take before getting into perimenopause so it's a smooth transition. We also get into oatmeal and why it's not as healthy as you think. They actually posted an amazing and really funny Instagram post on stop eating the damn oatmeal. I agree with them, and you're going to hear why. The importance of eating animal protein and why that's very different than plant-based protein. Why strong stomach acid is one of your best anti-aging tools. That 
blew my mind. You're going to hear how to build healthy stomach acid and why that is so important for aging gracefully. Then we get into the Dutch test. I talk a lot about the Dutch test, which is one of the best tests out there. It's a urine test, not only looking at your cortisol patterns and melatonin, but your entire panel of estrogen and methylation. And we get in adrenal health and we get into how to review that, why it's important to get it and the differences between Dutch test and other tests out there. So this was an awesome conversation. You're going to love Maria and Kristen. Before I bring them on the show, I do want to take a second here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from John Robertson 20, titled Great Information. I listen to a lot of podcasts as we don't watch TV, and I have over an hour drive each way to work and don't listen to the radio. Keto Camp is the most informative podcast, and Keto Flex is a must-read. John, thank you so much. I'm like you. I don't watch much TV. I don't listen to the radio. And when I have my long drives, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm turning that vehicle into a university on wheels, and I love that you do the same thing. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for getting the book Keto Flex. I so appreciate you. I'm glad you're enjoying the content that we're putting out there. If you have not gotten my brand new book, Keto Flex, head to ketoflexbook.com to get it on paperback or Kindle. If you haven't left the Keto Camp podcast, a rating and review, please do so right now. I might just read your review on the next episode. And John, if you're driving right now on your hour drive, hello, drive safely and thanks for listening. Did you know there's actually beverages that can supercharge your fasting results? My favorite which is a keto powerhouse, is apple cider vinegar. There's a ton of research showing apple cider vinegar has been beneficial for boosting your metabolism, suppressing appetite, reducing fat storage. That's because apple cider vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a short-chain fatty acid that's been shown to promote weight loss in those ways. Also, apple cider vinegar is one of the best ways to balance your blood sugars. A study showed apple cider vinegar improved insulin sensitivity after high-carb meals up to 34%. We also know that apple cider vinegar stimulates digestion, acts as a biostimulant to help break down the fat you're eating on keto. Another research study showed apple cider vinegar protects against mineral depletion. If you're like me, you probably don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. I think it tastes disgusting. That's why my go-to is Paleo Valley's Apple Cider Vinegar Complex. This is an organic blend of apple cider vinegar and four more gut and health supportive superfoods. I take this before my meals, I take it before coffee, and this enhances my fast and my blood sugar regulation. You'll find it contains organic apple cider vinegar, organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic Ceylon cinnamon, and organic lemon. Since you are a listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive discount code for you to get the apple cider vinegar complex capsules and all of the products over at Paleo Valley. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. By the way, they got delicious beef sticks and an awesome organ meat complex. Go check them out. Paleovalley.com. That is KetoCamp15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. All right, let's dive deep into an awesome conversation with Maria and Kristen. I'm blessed to have here with me 
Maria, who's an FDN practitioner like myself, and Kristen, a board-certified nutritionist. They are practitioners who share a passion for women's health, especially women's health at midlife. As both are themselves menopausal, they've refined the art and science of thriving as midlife women based on both clinical and personal experience. They combine individualized Nutrition and lifestyle changes tailored to midlife women's needs with mindset coaching, lab testing, hormone replacement therapy education to help women thrive so they can stop or prevent their health from spinning out of control. Maria and Kristen, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I was just telling you off air that I had a lot of fun studying your work to get ready for this interview. You both are doing really great work out there for the ladies out there and also the guys, because I always say, if you're a guy listening to this, don't press stop because it's so important to understand the women in your life so you could have better relationships with them, whether it's a wife, a girlfriend, or just a friend or a coworker. If you could understand their hormones, their cycle in life, and how their hormones relate to their personality, you're going to have a better relationship with them. So I encourage the guys to stay on board and you'll learn so much. So I'd love to start with with both of your backstories. I guess we'll start with Maria. Uh, how did you get involved with the health space and why did you want to dedicate your life to teaching this to the ladies out there? Sure thing. So um, I was, I don't remember, it was about 42 or 43 and I was going through perimenopause. I didn't really know it. Uh, it was my mom who actually said that said it to me. And I had always been somewhat natural and holistically minded. So I knew that I needed to see a doctor because I was putting on some weight that just came out of nowhere. And I wasn't sleeping well and my mood just tanked. So I was like, okay, I need some help, but I'm not going to see the local town doctor. Not that I live in a particularly small town, but you know, really nice guy, but he just, all he does is write prescriptions. And I'm not necessarily against that, but I didn't want that to be the first you know thing that I went to. So so I trudged into New York City. I believe, if I remember correctly, to, to, to tell you how desperate I was, it was the day after Christmas. So Park Avenue, Midtown, New York City, the day after Christmas. If anyone has ever been there, it's very busy. You can't get a cab. You know, it's still the height of the, the holiday season, um, but I was desperate. Um, so I saw this multi-published, kind of world-renowned uh, MD, um, Park Avenue. I won't go any further than that because I don't want to cast any shade, but it wasn't a great experience. Even though the word holistic was in the title or, you know, in his his bio, I just didn't feel very holistic. Funny thing has been the first, remember, it's winter, dead of winter, first time I get there and the office says to me, and I'm there for a very distinct issue. The office says to me, do you want a flu shot? I'm like, no, I just was like, no, I'm not here for that. So um, I ended up having the visit with him and it was good. It wasn't great. Right. It was good. It wasn't great. It didn't really fill my needs. And I was like, oh, I know that there's more out there for me. And that's when I started my journey of perimenopause and menopause education, going back to school. And, you know, once I got sufficiently learned myself, I was like, wow, I am certainly not the only one struggling out there. So. Yeah, you're certainly not. And when you say it didn't serve your needs, could you be more like specific? Because I'm sure other people, women out there could relate to maybe something just doesn't feel right. They're not getting the answers that they're seeking from their doctor. Yes. So I did a lot of testing at this office. I did a DEXA scan. We did blood work. We did sort of some kind of brain scan. 
it was super interesting. That I part I was fascinated about, but the end result was like, now remember, I was 42 or 43. I was really newly perimenopausal. Doc wanted to put me on hormone therapy right away, which you know we're not against that by any means, but that I thought was a little young to be starting on that, although young, not necessarily young for everyone, but it was, I felt, I kind of knew it was young for me. He wanted to put me on Boniva, even though my DEXA was not that bad, Boniva, I'm like, um, could we discuss vitamin D and maybe lifting heavy things? Um, he wanted to, oh yes, and for the sleep issues, just take this clozapan when you know you really need to. So I ended up getting hooked on that, actually really hooked, and I had to wean myself off of it. So I like the fact that he did use bioidentical hormones, but no education. And well, this is what's happening. You know, let, let's make sure we undergird you with knowledge so that you can really embrace these changes. How about we switch up your food? Not that I ate poorly, but I'm sure I needed even, you know, back then a change in how I ate, how I understood this, how I embraced this phase of life. It was hormones, Boniva, if you want it, Clonopin when you can't sleep. Mm. So what I'm hearing is that they were not really getting to the causes of why you were experiencing specific symptoms and educating you on those causes so you could start to remove that interference and allow your body to heal. It was more symptom treatment kind of band-aids, which is typical, right? Green allopathy from a holistic doctor. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. So that's what, that's what inspired you to want to learn more about your specific situation and the problems that you were dealing with so you could apply it to yourself and then start educating other women out there. Sure did. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so it's so cool because I interview so many people and I would say like 99% of them have this pain to purpose story where they were going through a challenge. They help themselves and now they're so inspired to help other people. So it's really cool to hear that story. What about you, Kristen? What is your backstory? How did you get involved in the health space? Yeah, so mine is, you know, it's the same end result, but a fairly different path um, to a degree. So I was a corporate attorney for many years. Um, that was my training and profession and um, a competitive athlete. Those were kind of my two identities and a mom. Um, but, you know, as a personal level, that was sort of what I pursued I probably will definitely had hormone issues my entire life looking back in retrospect, but nobody talked about it. It was sort of, here's the birth control pill. This will take care of your cystic acne along with Accutane. You know, I would get my period immediately after giving birth, despite breastfeeding. Oh, we have a pill for that. I mean, it was always sort of this whack-a-mole with hormones, but I didn't know enough, right, to know that this was hormonal dysfunction. I just knew that my body was sort of revolting against me. Similar timeline as Maria, about late, late 30s, early 40s, everything started to go south. It was the weight battle. It was the mood battle. It was the libido battle. It was the skin battle. It was everything. And I definitely, being an attorney, I came at things much more conventional um, than Maria. I didn't have sort of the enlightenment that there was a better option out there. And to be frank, I was living outside of Boston, which is sort of big pharma, big medicine heaven. And um, I had what I, you know, was the top doctor at Mass General and went to her repeatedly begging to find something wrong with me. I, I knew something was off and I couldn't get anyone to identify it. And at one point she stopped me and she said, Kristen, you've been in here four times in the last six months for blood tests. They had checked me for Lyme, autoimmune, I mean, you name it. She's like, nothing is wrong with you. 
And I remember at one point begging her saying, well, you know, my mom went through menopause at 32 from a surgery. I don't really know. Maybe I'm in menopause if we eliminated all these possibilities. Could you check my sex hormones? And as a contrast to Maria's experience with a holistic doctor, my conventional doctor refused. She just said, no, we're not checking your hormones. And I wasn't knowledgeable enough to know. I thought, oh, maybe insurance doesn't pay for it because I'm too young. So I took that at face value. And to be perfectly frank, it, you know, obviously was doing me a disservice, but it got to the pain points, got to the point where I just said enough. I have to clearly be the only person who's going to care about my health. And I started just researching as an attorney, that was my nature. And going down as many rabbit holes as I could, reading books, listening to things, trying to figure out. And for me, it came to a, aha, this is a food and lifestyle thing. I didn't quite have the clarity on the hormone piece yet. So I ended up pursuing a nutrition program. I became board certified in nutrition. And then over time with my practice, it was this repeated women, you know, you, you attract what you are, right? And so I'm getting these midlife women and we're going through everything and it's like coming back to hormones, coming back to hormones over and over again. And that sort of then started me on this journey that it's this, you know, food, lifestyle, hormones, peace, puzzle, and it all has to go together. And, you know, after that, it was sort of watch out world, here I come. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, the rest is history. So, you know, I definitely had more the failures of the conventional system as being my motivation and driver. Oh, that's, that's a really inspiring story. Are you still practicing as an attorney? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I didn't take my bar exam with me when I moved uh, states and uh, it just it wasn't worth it at the time. So and, and when you started to make the changes, food and lifestyle, what were some of the not food related, but lifestyle related things that you did to heal your body? Yeah, for me, it was pretty profound. So I was a competitive rower. I rode at both the national level and international level, competing in worlds and U.S. nationals as a um, master's athlete, you know, training constantly with and against Olympians. And so it was, you know, I hate to admit this now because I browbeat women over the same thing, but it was a lot of chronic cardio you know, it was the getting up at 4.30 in the morning in order to get the workout in. And part of that was driven by team practices and whatnot. But I was absolutely slaying my adrenals. And, you know, now understanding the interplay of, look, ladies, when your ovaries decide to pass the baton, they're passing it to the adrenals. And if you have put those guys on their last gasping breath, it's not going to be a good experience. And that's what I realized I was living through. So I started to approach the sort of less is more you know, really backing off on the training. And ironically, it didn't affect my competition that much. So that was sort of an aha too, that, you know, there's an overtraining diminishing returns issue there that a lot of women don't realize. Also, the weight started to move when I started to reduce my training. So, you know, the whole cortisol thing came into play and realizing how that I was existing off of. Sleep became a huge piece of it. Now there's only so much, you know, sleep that a woman can get even in the face of hormonal insufficiency, you know, hormones can be that last driver to kind of help the sleep. But finally realizing I had to get serious about this. You know, it was, it's hard. You, you think, well, I've got a family or whatever, or the teenagers, they're up late. You know, you want to kind of stay present. And I started being unapologetic about, look, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm out. You know, the rest of you, you're good. You, you got what you need out of me. I'm going to bed. 
focusing on that sleep and really kind of making, like I said, no apologies for dialing in my needs of self-care, you know, getting massage monthly. When you're a high-level athlete, you should be doing that. You know, I wasn't doing it. So really starting to pay attention to how to nourish my body in addition to the nutrition I was feeding it. And that started to make all the difference. Uh, really cool. So what you're saying is more parasympathetic <laughs> away from the sympathetic tone. S- so many of us are just dominant on that sympathetic side. I mean, men and women included. So finding ways to get more of that oxytocin to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is so important. And, and especially if you're entering your perimenopause, menopausal stage, because you said something very important, which I wanted to talk about. When the ovaries retire and say, I'm calling it quits, the adrenals pick up the slack and the adrenals need to be in a somewhat good condition to pick up that slack. Otherwise you get this low cortisol output and it makes things a lot, a lot worse. So let's, let's go into that. And for the ladies that are listening to the show right now, who are maybe 25 years old, 31 years old, who still have a monthly cycle, it's still really important to understand this so you can be proactive, not reactive and be ahead of the curve when you enter that perimenopause stage. So Maria, what exactly is happening as a woman enters perimenopause hormonally with their organs? What is changing for them? And what are some things they can do before that to make sure it's a smooth transition? Yes. Okay. So DHEA is in decline usually, and that's probably happening as early as the 20s. I, Kristen and I don't usually start with that. I just wanted to say that we usually jump right to progesterone. So progesterone is one of the main players and it declines okay and once it declines i tell women it's never coming back like there's no amount of vitamin c or healthy fats or aerobic exercise is bringing that back you know you're kind of like biologically programmed that when that progesterone goes it's pretty much gone okay but the issue is that estrogen is up and down and then down down and then up and sort of all over the place sometimes women ovulate and sometimes they don't ovulate. If they don't ovulate, then they that actually is a sign of lower progesterone and it's lower estrogen as well because we need estrogen to drive that ovulation surge. So hormones, it's down progesterone and kind of fluctuating estrogen. And then the closer you do get to menopause, and this is, I think, one of the points that Kristen and I love to teach women about because we don't really understand this. Like this is really not being taught. And that is that the closer you are getting to menopause, menopause is a full 12 months without a period. Okay, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of practitioners even bandy about the term, say, I'm going through menopause. Well, we don't mean to be a stickler. That's truly, that's the menopause transition. That's perimenopause. But menopause is reversed by looking in the rearview mirror. You, you've looked, you, you've gone 12 months without a period. But so the closer you get to that, and you don't necessarily know that you're getting close until it's passed, your estrogen is likely for many, many women, it's circulating at lower levels than at 32, 35, 40, maybe 42. So your hormones are in pretty major flux. And for most women, that comes with a lot of symptoms. Uh, And I would go so far as to say, good adrenal health or not, some women, even with good adrenal health, are going to suffer with when the ovarian hormones are really, really low. And and then some people would say, well, you know, you don't you don't fully lose estrogen. You don't, but you lose about 99% of it. 
So mm. you fully lose it pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and and I mean, Maria, the other piece is testosterone's going down too, right? Yes. And and as women, you know, it's not about being vain. It's about being comfortable in your skin, right? I and having <laughs> well, I mean, sure, you can be a little vain, but I mean, you know, we start to notice that change in the skin and we start to really notice the change in body composition. And that's when we see these women sort of beating themselves up with their training and their physicality. And, you know, we hate to say it, but if you have low estrogen and low testosterone, that body composition change, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle. It's not something that you can necessarily move the needle on without you know, having sufficient hormones on board. It's like as if you took a man and took all his testosterone away. He'd have a drastically different body. You know, women need that too. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some things, let's say a, a woman who's 35 years old, 40 years old, they're not perimenopausal yet. What are, what are some things, some practical things they could start doing right now? I mean, dialing in their nutrition would be one and then addressing their adrenal health. And that's going to be multifactorial, right? That's going to be through the movement. That's going to be through sleep, you know, stress mitigation. Look, if we've learned anything over the last few months, you know, stress is just present in our lives. We never ask our clients just get rid of or deal with your stress. It's more learn how to live with your stress, you know, learn how to sort of blunt the impacts of it. And I would say, you know, at in our 50s, Maria and I were in that kind of enviable position. Our kids are grown, you know, most of us have some level of financial security. The marriage is still ticking along. It's usually in pretty good shape. 30 and 40 year old women, they're in that really tough, everyone's got a demand from them, whether it's career, whether it's kids, whether it's partners, you know, women are caregivers, they take and fix everything. So in your 30s and 40s, taking care of you it's really, really important, but unfortunately, the narrative has become that's indulgent, right? That, you know, to take an Epsom salt bath and wind down at night, to have a regular massage, to, you know, feed your adrenal health, all of these sorts of things, they either feel they don't have time or that it's sort of not honoring their role in everyone else's life. And we're kind of here to call BS on that and tell the 30s and 40s, look, if you don't want to hit a brick wall in your late 40s, you need to deal with this now. So that piece and then the nutritional piece, you know, we're probably pretty uh, outspoken about our feelings regarding plant-based agendas in diet. And, you know, we think women need to put down the smoothie first thing in the morning and, you know, have some bacon and eggs or a steak. And, you know, addressing that piece of the diet is really important as well. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that, Maria? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kristen pretty much said everything. Oh, I do have something to add. There is a lot to be said. It's not something we particularly teach on because our clients tend to be 40, 43 to up to 70 and beyond. But um, there's really something to be said for understanding the different phases of the menstrual cycle. And I know there's amazing people um, who teach on that. So like in the follicular phase, so like that first two weeks of the cycle, you can um, you tend to have a little bit more energy, you know, maybe around day three or four, and the, you know, the bleeding phase is, is simmering down, you tend to have a little bit more energy. And then you have 
ovulation in the middle, and then you have the luteal phase when women tend to be a little bit more tired. Um, maybe they're craving a little bit more carbohydrates. So like the luteal phase is definitely, it's not the time to like go hard driving in the gym or, you know, tackle tough, you know, mental or family projects or anything like that. So I think that's really incredibly important information for women that are still menstruating regularly that in addition to everything that Kristen said. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would add one thing and sort of plain off Maria's is that, you know, we, our generation of women did not have the benefit of understanding that our hormones are our friends, you know, they are our lifeblood and too much has been built around hormones are bad, whether it's cortisol or estrogen and, you know, girls are given the pill and they're given these other things that, you know, sort of shut that system down. And what we would say is ladies go out there and you're, 20s, 30s, find out how your cycle is supposed to be. Learn those different phases that Maria just named. Look at a 28-day calendar, understand that rhythm, and start to get acquainted with it. Because the more you make friends with it, the more you'll see it really is serving you. It really is a beautiful thing. And it doesn't need to be this sort of, oh, you know, here I'm in getting my cycle or whatever, or, you know, the PMS phase or anything like that, just really learning about it. We were never taught. We were never taught these things as a girl, you know, even having your period was something you needed to do in the closet, you know? <laughs> so the twenties and thirties, it's out there and social media, there's so much being discussed about women's health. Learn it, really, really learn it and, and teach your daughters it. If you're in your thirties and you have young daughters, like do not make this a taboo conversation, truly embrace the cycle and, and really realize your hormones are your life. Yeah, it's not taught in school. I know that to this day, it's not. I, I spoke to my fiance about you know her education on it during school, and she didn't learn anything about that, which is a shame because you're right. Both of you are correct. We should be taught this in school. Parents should be teaching it to their children so they're prepared and they understand what's going on. And they go with the flow, no pun intended, but with the flow of their hormones because when you understand that cycle, like you just broke it down, then you could understand, okay, this would probably be a good way to do keto and fasting, which is like your, your bleed week. And then the week before your period, probably not a good idea to do keto and fasting and to go crazy at the gym because you're going to go against the hormonal system there, which could lead to more PMS, which could lead to heavy period, which could lead to more cravings. So that's something that I aim to actually educate myself on since a lot of my clients and my community are women and my fiance is a woman. I want to understand them and educate them. And that's where I think... When I teach keto and, and intermittent fasting, I come from a different place than a lot of people who teach keto because most people are teaching keto all the time, fasting strategies every single day, and that's just not the right way to do it, especially for women. Women have to go with their hormonal cycle, which is like a 28-day cycle, like the moon when they're menstruating, and then it changes, of course, when they go into perimenopause, menopause. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidized. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends 
at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. Kristen, you said something about the smoothies, the fruit juices, and all that. Yeah. <laughs> And I agree with you. I mean, that's a fast way to jack up the blood sugar. And I was on your Instagram page, uh, which is a great page. It's called Wise and Well. Great Instagram page. Everybody go follow it at Wise and Well. We'll put it in the podcast notes. There was a post that I loved because I spoke about this recently. The post said, stop eating the damn oatmeal. (laughs) (laughs) Did you read the comments? Because I got a lot of engagement. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I don't know which one of you decided to post that, but talk more about that. A lot of people think their oatmeal is healthy, but what are the problems with oatmeal? We we collaborate on all of these things, but um, uh, Kristen... I'm usually the one with the foul mouth texting Maria and then she'll say, that's a post. (laughs) So why did you decide to post that? Because women think it's healthy. And and, and I will say that probably up until about age 35 to 40, I could eat, I was able to eat oatmeal with walnuts and cinnamon and chia seeds with reckless abandon and not put on weight. If I ate that now, I would be hungry 90 minutes later. I would be probably looking for more carbs and I'm going to let Kristen take from there, but that's just my personal experience. Yeah. I mean, I, so I like Maria too. I I think women, they don't understand satiety, right? And they mistake nutritional choices that fill them up with kind of a stretch bloat factor as being filling and satiety. It's not. And that, you know, we'll have a lot of women say, oh, I eat my oatmeal and I'm just great all the rest of the day. We're like, really, when's the next time that you need food? Well, then you find out that maybe they had their oatmeal at nine in the morning, they're snacking again at 11, right? And so we're trying to, you know, show them that, look, a, a satiating meal that is nourishing your body and feeding your metabolism and fueling your day should not be made out of kindling, should not be made out of these quick fire sort of throw it on and have to throw it on over and over and over again. And we'll challenge women. We would like you to eat something that you can go four or five hours and see that you don't need any food and you don't turn into a raging bitch. Excuse my French. That's the biggest thing, right? Or you don't need a nap or you're not adding another cup of coffee or, you know, you think you need pre-workout. I'm sorry. The majority of women in their forties are not working out to the extent that they need a pre-workout, right? This is just jet fuel into your veins because you're not feeding your body properly. And we're pretty adamant that that first meal of the day, whenever it is, whether you're OMAD or TUMAD or three meals a day or whatever, it's got to be protein heavy. And this oatmeal, and no protein, and, and let's face it, oatmeal is like water and paper. I mean, it's oatmeal on itself is not great. So how do women make it palatable, right? They throw in the berries and the sugar and the nuts and the nut butter and everything else. 
to us, that's no different than thinking you drink coffee when really you're getting a caramel macchiato at Starbucks. You're drinking yep. a dessert, right? Yep. You're eating a dessert, ladies, when you're having your oatmeal. None of you are just making straight up, you know, Irish oats in water and pounding that and feeling good about it. So we just kind of wanted to pull the, you know, curtain on that one and say, nah, we call false. You feel full because you're bloated, right? You're not actually satiated because you're needing food again soon and you're probably getting hangry. Yeah. And one of the best ways to see what that oatmeal is doing to your blood sugars is to put on a CGM and watch that thing spike up and then hypoglycemic rea uh, reactivity right, right after it spike back down. And then all of a sudden you need to get a cup of coffee or a five hour energy or another meal. And if you did the opposite or something else, you switched over to a protein rich meal. Protein will activate cholecystokinine, leptin, peptide, YY, all these satiety chemicals and hormones so you're full and satiated so you could go another five hours and not spike glucose and insulin or even longer than that. So I'm with you. Uh, protein and fat, animal protein. Let's talk about that. Why is it important? Because I'm, I'm not a big fan of the vegan movement. I think right now, more than ever, there's more vegans than I've ever seen in my life. There's a huge propaganda push to get people plant-based with these Beyond Burgers and this nonsense out there. I think there's a time and place for it. You could do it short term and kind of get off of it. But why is there a difference between animal-based protein and plant-based protein? What is the difference between those two? I mean, there's a lot, but I think it's primarily the carbohydrate load. Like, just think about beans. Beans, people think beans, oh, they're a great source of protein. Well, they're really a protein and a carbohydrate, right? Versus, say, just your, your steak or your salmon and your eggs is pretty much protein and obviously fat as well. So for me, it's pretty much you know, just the carbohydrate load. And, you know, again, if I was 32, you know, I might avail myself of a bean burrito every now and then, but because of like my age and my menopausal status, I cannot eat that way if I want to remain slim and healthy. So for me, it's about a choice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say it's also the amino acid quality, right? We know the mm -hmm. amino acids are the building blocks with so many things in our body. And I don't really think it's a big um, surprise that a lot of these young plant-based girls in their 30s are also on anti-anxiety medications. You do not provide your body with the proper neurotransmitter building blocks that come from animal proteins. You're going to develop some brain chemical issues. You know, there's so many other pieces of protein that go along with that, so you know the incomplete amino acid profile, and these girls will say, "Oh, well, I can combine plant-based proteins to create an amino acid profile." And I'm going to call BS on that too. And you know, the reality is that these foods, plant-based foods that claim to have protein, you could measure the protein in a lab. That doesn't mean that your body is actually getting the protein, right? You need to have bioavailable nutrients. And, you know, I'm going to guess most girls are not soaking and sprouting and dealing with these plant-based proteins properly. So now you're filling your body with anti-nutrients. You've got things that are binding up your minerals. You know, these girls who are calcium deficient and osteopenic in their early 30s, again, not a shock, girls. You know, you're not getting the nutrients that just because a plant has those nutrients that's measured in a lab doesn't mean your body's getting those nutrients. So the amino acid piece, the anti-nutrient slash bioavailability piece is huge. And then let's be honest, B12 and hemi iron are only coming from animal products, period, dot. There is no layering of plant proteins or anything else that's going to get you that. And 
people, I understand the agenda, whether it's animal cruelty or save the planet. We've got answers for all of that too. You know, there's very, very, very little animal proteins being raised in the United States any longer along CAFO lines that, you know, raise issues or concerns regarding animal cruelty and factory farming. So it's just not an agenda that's serving our health. And if it were, why are we so sick? Why are girls in their 20s and 30s on more medications than some 50-year-olds? The proof is just not there. Um, and in fact, the opposite is there when we really start dialing into the nutrient piece of it. So we're, we're pretty anti-plant-based agenda. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and you mentioned iron. So I, I'm curious to see, because you work mostly with perimenopause and menopausal women, I've looked at uh, lab work from both cycling women and menopausal women. So I've seen cycling women tend to have lower iron stores, and then I've seen postmenopausal women have higher. Have you seen sim a similar trend there? Definitely. I mean, my own ferritin level is usually north of 150, and that would be, you know, flagged as high and concerning. Um, so ferritin, for those listening, is a stored iron in the tissue, um, not my circulating iron. You know, I now follow a cyclic regimen for HRT, and so I have what's considered a withdrawal period. So I'm back, you know, making my body bleed again, and my ferritin levels have come down. Now, to be perfectly honest, to have super high ferritin and not cycling means that woman's eating a lot of iron-rich food and actually getting it into her body via optimal digestion. That's kind of rare to be honest, you yeah. know, we see it and it's obviously a concern because iron can impact thyroid function and have some other issues when it starts to build up in the tissue. But yes, ferritin and iron go up when you stop cycling, but is it really outside of the range? Not as common as we might think it would be. And I just want to add in, I know we three know it, but a lot of people still don't know it. HRT is just hormone replacement therapy. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Great. I'm sure somebody listening was like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to your point, so here's when I have seen high iron in postmenopausal women. They are using cast iron skillets all the time, and they have these essential oils that they are running all day long with, like citrus, lemon essential oils, and they might run over like 220, 250. It's not common, but I have seen that. So I'll tell them, like, stop using the cast iron skillet, especially if your husband's also using that because for men, men typically run high in iron. And then exercise could help, you know, drive that down. Talk, detox could help that drive that down. Transitioning now, Maria, when I was studying both of you, but Maria specifically, I heard you say something that I thought, whoa, whoa, that's interesting. I need to learn more. You said strong stomach acid is one of your best anti-aging tools. Why do you believe that? Tell me more. So, you know, I hate to put exact numbers, but I like, I throw around midlife a lot or fifties or sixties or 48, like we become a little bit nutrient deficient, right? With age, I would say, you know, even if we're eating a really good diet, if, if we don't have the stomach acid, which is going to really break apart that food well, then we're not going to get the iron from the meat, you know, that we like to tell women to eat like three, four or five times a week. <laughs> and then, so we have a lot of our clients are on hormone replacement therapy and, you know, they need to be taking a B vitamin, a B complex vitamin kind of standard. And if they swallow that capsule and, you know, their stomach acid can't break that down and assimilate it, then they're not getting the benefit from that. 
and you know, it just kind of ripples out. They need those B vitamins to be able to methylate their estrogen correctly. So, and then, you know, I'm, Kristen and I both world travelers. We love to travel. Um, although it's well known, you know, you don't have to be in a third world country to come in contact with a parasite, but like, say we're eating out, we're traveling, that stomach acid is going to sanitize anything that we eat and stomach acid does decline with age. So it's incredibly important. So do you recommend taking like an HCL supplementation before a meal? What do you recommend? I mean, if, if we need it, we like we do like to test. I know personally, I use it almost all the time. And I recently had some time where I ran out and I didn't, you know, get it back on board for three weeks. I definitely felt a difference. And, you know, someone or Kristen might say, well, you know, you might be down regulating. Yes, but you know, I think I probably downregulated a while ago just on age. Um, we want to make sure that someone doesn't have like a raging H. pylori infection. So that's why we won't just say, hey, just take HCL. Got and it. some people are reactive or sensitive to it. You know, a lot of people aren't, but we always like to hold out for the fact that it could happen. So what's the issue if somebody has high amounts of H. pylori and they're taking HCL? What's the problem there? Yeah. Um, I mean, you end up damaging your stomach lining. That's the biggest thing is, you know, H. pylori is really inflammatory in the stomach. Your gastric secretions are usually downregulated and that bacteria is flourishing. It's the leading cause of ulcers and stomach cancer. So if we're going to have this inflamed environment and then we pop an HCL or ACV or something down the hatch, all you're going to do is burn through those already irritated and inflamed tissues. And you can really drive ulcers that way. So we're pretty adamant that, you know, HCL wouldn't be the first thing. I mean, I, I know Maria just sort of hinted to this. I'm really big on parasympathetic and vagal tone. I think too many people, male and female, they come into this phase of life and we're just kind of amped up. And let's face it, after, you know, a year of chaos, we're particularly amped up. And we need to address that sort of parasympathetic or sympathetic dominance issue in our lives. And every client that's ever received a protocol from us ever has received a handout that we refer to as mealtime mindset for digestion. Because ladies, we could come and make the most bio-individual, perfectly planned and prepared and cooked meal for you and literally cater to you every single day. If you do not have proper stomach acid to digest that, it's not going to matter at all. I'm all for HCL when we've kind of address other issues, but we would like to see women address that sort of, you know, are you guzzling your 30 ounce Yeti at every meal? You're diluting your stomach acid, right? Are you, you know, eating standing up, rushing out the door, arguing with your spouse or your kids at the dinner table, you know, things like that. And we, we tell women all the time, think back to when you'd have like family dinners with grandma, right? Our elders would come to the table with like a thimble size of maybe an aperitif. They'd sit there and whether you say grace or anything, but they'd just relax. They'd smile. They'd look upon their family members lovingly. You could literally see them shift their kind of energy into being present for a meal. We don't do that anymore. And that isn't just a neat tradition or kind of a nostalgic thing. This is truly what our body needs to eat and, and digest that food. So we do coach a lot on that is just getting in touch with that parasympathetic branch of our autonomic nervous system, making sure you have proper vagal tone. Are you present? We've told women sometimes, look, if eating before you leave for work is like pounding food, don't bother. Like, it'd be better if you just 
fasted for that meal and waited till you got to the office and heated up your eggs there. <laughs> so that piece of it, I think, is really important. And the other piece related to hormones is that women don't understand progesterone actually suppresses gastric secretion and estrogen encourages them. Well, you know, this is why like in pregnancy, when we're really high progesterone, women will have a lot of heartburn, GERD, that sort of stuff. Well, midlife women, we don't really have much progesterone in the tank, so it's not an issue, but we also don't have a lot of estrogen. So we don't have that hormonal sort of encouragement for gastric secretion. So it's not a shock that as we age, this sort of capacity diminishes and provided you dial in the stress piece, really come to meals ready, know that you don't have H. pylori, we're all for enzymes and HCL. But, you know, we like to address those other things first because it's really important. We need to, you know, see what other health interventions are going on that need to be addressed. Which test do you use to verify if uh, they have low stomach acid, H. pylori? What's your go-to test? Yeah, we like the GI map from DSL Solutions. Um, it's got phenomenal intestinal markers in there. We can look, are you digesting your fats? What's your steatocrit level? Um, what's your elastase, which is a pancreatic enzyme that isn't impacted even if a woman's taking enzymes. So we're able to kind of see is the pancreas functioning the way it should be. Shows us H. pylori, it tests for virulence factors, whether or not it's aggressive. It'll genotype it against different antibiotics. But, you know, we have found that that... GI map test will indicate problems before it's become a disease process. And that's why we like it is we can kind of nip it in the bud real quick. If you're anything like me, you probably spend some money each month on your supplements. But what if you're still tired and you just don't feel 100% well? Well, there could be a deficiency. What if there was a way to know if you were actually absorbing your supplementation or not absorbing and maybe you're taking too much of something? Well, what I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that. In this case, I'm talking about upgraded formulas, upgraded hair test kit, and consultation. And once you uncover these hidden deficiencies, you could get rid of these symptoms you might be experiencing that might be affecting your thyroid, adrenals, or much more. Upgraded Formulas is a very cool company. I interviewed Barton Scott who is the founder and chemical engineer who helps craft all their supplements. And they have this really cool upgraded mineral deficiency analysis. So say goodbye to blood and urine tests, which typically indicate short-term results. Hair is the best identifier. And you could get that hair from your head, armpit area, or even pubic area. And you'll receive a consultation with a member of Upgraded Formulas to help discuss your results. And it's very simple. Collect your hair sample, send it in, and get your results fast. We've worked out an exclusive deal, KetoCamp podcast listeners, to receive 10% off your order. Head to UpgradedFormulas.com. Use the coupon code BEN10 at checkout to get your hair mineral kit and any other supplements that you could find on their website. That is UpgradedFormulas.com. Use the coupon code BEN10. Speaking of testing, I know that you're both a big fan of the Dutch test, and I love that test as well. I just did my, I did it the second time recently. I think it's a great test for both men and women. Why do you? Uh, we'll start with Maria. Why do you love that test so much? What is it? What is it giving us? Okay, I'm gonna. I can give you the number one and number two reason I love it. Number one reason I love the Dutch test is estrogen metabolism. So whether you are making hormones from the ovaries 
or whether you're taking hormones because your ovaries are no longer making those hormones. And actually, I'm talking estrogen and specifically. We want to see that the body is kind of behaving with the estrogen and sending it down, primarily down the least proliferative pathway of estrogen metabolism. So we can't see that in blood. We can't see that in saliva. Those tests have validity. You know, it's not like, oh, this is the best and you should never use anything else. You know, there's there's times when we can use blood and saliva testing, but urine is the only place you're going to see estrogen metabolism. And what I love about that, Ben, it's not like you have slightly high liver enzymes and the doctor just says, we'll just watch that right we'll just watch it <laughs> probably because there's no you know no pharmaceutical aid to develop <laughs> yet for it but um so when you don't have good estrogen metabolism there's very very specific supplements and a couple of lifestyle practices and foods that you can eat to really shift those genetic pathways which kind of create that estrogen metabolism so that's actually really really good the second reason i love it is actually nothing clinical it's the second reason is because it's extremely empowering to women and we had um a, our one-on-one -on -one with one of our women today and we did the dutch and we did the gi map and she opted to add like a full lipid fractionated panel at the end of the discussion she was like like no one else I've never had someone explain tests so thoroughly to me. And like when women, when you undergird them with understanding, when you empower them, you know, then when things get hard, they're not just going to be like, oh, I'm, I, screw that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Like they're going to really stay in the game and they're going to keep, you know, doing the things that are good for themselves. And then when we do things that are good for ourselves, I know it sounds a little corny, like a, everyone around us benefits. The world benefits. We're happier people or, you know, families benefit. So you know, it's really number two is just, it's very empowering when you understand your test results. And on the contrary, when women get, you know, whatever blood work or functional testing at doctors, and I'm not saying all doctors do this, but a lot of them do. And, you know, they, they say, well, I don't really understand that. Or, you know, we didn't spend too much time on that. They're so frustrated and they're yeah. so discouraged. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what about you, Kristen? Why do you love the Dutch test? I mean, same thing as Maria. I think so many women, you know, our client base is at the point where they're low in hormones, they're starting to consider hormone replacement therapy or not, right? They're just sort of investigating that. And one of their fears, one of the things usually holding them back is they think, how do I know if my hormones are being handled by my body correctly? Nobody wants to end up with breast cancer, or uterine cancer, or ovarian cancer, whatever. So for us to be able to show them, look, whether you're using, adding hormones or making hormones or both, this is what your body does with them. And oh, by the way, here's some things that we can do to improve that. And that piece is just, the, it takes the fear away from this sort of midlife consideration that they're making with respect to their hormones. So that is one thing that I love it about. And then I love the adrenal piece, to be perfectly honest. I think, you know, we, we talked about this in today's session with our client too. Too many women normalize what they're living with. And so if you were to tell them, you know, you have adrenal function, they'd be like, I'm doing great. I feel fine. When you can show them that, you know, they've got a flat curve or that they're spiking before bedtime or they're waking up jacked, that suddenly is a wake up call to them, right? No matter how they're feeling, they can be like, oh, that's probably not good for the long term. So 
I love those two pieces about it. And what Maria just said too about, you know, giving a woman valid evidence that what she's doing is working is really important because too often we have this scale-based mentality of, am I, you know, seeing gains? Am I seeing rewards? And this particular client was only a few months into her program with us in terms of making dietary and lifestyle changes. She wasn't quite sure. She's like, oh, maybe the scales moved a little bit. Maybe my pants aren't quite as tight. I don't really know. And for us to be able to say, here, look, this is what your metabolic health looks like. This is what your hormonal metabolism looks like. She was like, well, hot damn, I'm actually doing pretty good, you know, and it motivates them to keep going. Yeah. And that I think is the biggest thing is when we don't have those visual, you know, evidence and cues to say, this is worth it it's really easy to just pitch it all and go back to old habits. So, yeah, I love that. It's so true. A lot of, a lot of people, men and women, they focus on the number on the scale and that's their number one determining factor on if their protocol is working for them or not. When in reality, there's so many more important factors to your point, the body needs to get healthy in order to lose that weight, not lose weight in order to get healthy where a lot of conventional practitioners get it wrong. So using a Dutch test, using a GI map, using other tests out there could show the client exactly what's happening with their body. I also love the cortisol component of the, the Dutch test as well because you could have a conversation with somebody as you review the results and say, oh, do you typically have a, get tired in the afternoon because you see this drop there? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. And then you can make a correction there and they could see that. So it's really cool to have that conversation and relate it to what's, what you see on the paper. Uh, any other tests that you... Our, our go-to test that you use with your, your clients? We, we love a really well-designed blood work. So we'll often run lipid panels. We love to run like the markers for inflammation. So it's the homocysteine, the A1C. We would love if we could get every single client to do just fast test their insulin. Oh, I got that. I got that. I'm good. I'm like 85 or 90. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's glucose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's all happens all the time. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 85 insulin. No, no, that's glucose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, blood work can be incredibly, incredibly helpful if you look at it with a fine tooth comb, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and then we also love the hair tissue mineral analysis. We don't do a ton of them because it's a little bit involved, but we do, we do really enjoy that. It's, we do see some correlations between that and the Dutch test. So it, you know, again, when you get data upon data, plus you have the woman's symptoms and you have her buy-in, I mean, we, we can really, we, I don't mean just Kristen and I, but people, you know, who, who mentally buy into this and the work that you're doing, Ben, we can really change lives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that lipid panel in particular. So we really prefer the NMR lipoprotein profile um, with insulin resistance. It's There's really nothing else like it. And we recently had a client. She's just, she was wonderful. She was on board. She's making these changes. Definitely scale focused as she should be. She, she definitely was carrying around weight that put her into some very high risk profiles. You know, she had younger kids. She had a very active life. It was just sort of like, ah. Oh, is this all sort of that necessary? Do I need to be this as she considered it to be restrictive? And, you know, we got her blood serum markers back. And to be perfectly honest, Maria and I had a real serious talk with each other before we met with her because it was scary, to be perfectly honest. These were horrific blood markers. And we wanted to present it in a way not to 
make her fearful, but to motivate her and understand that like, look, this all can change dramatically in three to five weeks of good effort. And then we really focus on, is it about the scale or is it about being here for your kid's college graduation? Is it about how you look in that bathing suit or is it really about being a wife who's thriving and happy and appealing to the husband and, you know, wants to travel and be active and all these sorts of things. And that blood panel literally changed her life. And she came back to us later that day and said, I'm sitting here crying and not out of fear, but because you made me understand I can switch this, I can do these things and it is worth it for me. So, you know, even when hormones are interesting, gut health is interesting, that blood panel can like literally sort of blow the top off a woman's sort of cognitive dissonance with it's just my weight that's a problem when really it's it's your health, it, your life depends upon it. So we, we do love to use it, but we don't start there. We recognize women, you know, have limited budgets. And so we want to make sure that we, you know, address the things that they're looking for to start. And then we sort of gently <laughs> suggest that they consider these other tests. But I love it. Yeah. The human body is incredible. We, we could definitely heal from very serious conditions as long as we just do our part. And, and the, the problem is that people are not aware. So what you two are doing, which is magnificent, you're helping people become aware of what's going on in their body, helping them identify the interference and then work on removing that interference, and then their body heals. And it could happen very quickly. They could get results, like you said, in three to five weeks. They could reverse serious conditions in, in just a matter of months or just a short amount of years. I get the same thing with the restrictive mentality. Do I need to be this restrictive? In the beginning, I, I think it is important, but what is really restrictive is not changing your diet or fasting or your sleep schedule. What's really restrictive is not being your true self and your true personality and being there for your family and for your friends and being hurt all the time, getting out of a vehicle, hurt. That's really, that's the true restriction. So if we could take care of some things right now, that'll open up a whole new world for that individual. So I love that you shared that. Final thoughts is I want to thank you both for uh, the work that you're doing in this world to empower so many people out there. I'm grateful that our paths crossed via Instagram, right? I think it was on Instagram that we connected. Um, you two are doing incredible work. Please share uh, your Instagram again, your Facebook page, your website, any, anywhere you want to send the keto campers to go check out more of your work. Sure. So people can follow us on Instagram. I like to think that we're pretty education forward, sometimes a little bit edgy, like stop the damn oatmeal. <laughs> and so that would be, they can just search the search bar. It's wise and well. Awesome. Anywhere else, any website? Yeah, so our website is wiseandwell.me. And then Kristen's going to tell you about the last thing that we have. Yeah, so we, we did move off of Facebook. We found Facebook to be pretty distracting for a lot of people. Um, you know, politics and censorship aside, we want women's attention to be focused on them. And so we just wanted something that wasn't going to suck them into a scroll or have them at risk of some DM popping up or something. And so we switched over to a platform called Mighty Networks. We've got both an open free forum as well as a sort of private client group within that. You know, Instagram is wonderful, but there's a limited amount of characters. And we 
tend to get nerdy. Um, we tend to want to give really good information and, and deep dive on some certain topics. So often you'll see us sort of refer an Instagram to please come join our open community. And that's on Mighty Networks. We have it in our links on Instagram. You can find sort of the direct link, but we can give it to you too for the show notes. But it's, you know, yes, it's another app. It's not a typical social media. There's no friending, you know, there's no feed and scrolling. It's just Maria and me sort of trying to deliver more um, substantive information on topics that are really important to women. Awesome. Yeah. Give me that link. I'll put it in the podcast notes. We'll put everything you mentioned in the podcast notes. Go give them a follow on Instagram. They have an amazing page, super consistent research. It's fun. It's just a great page that one of my favorite Instagram pages. So thank you, Maria. And thank you, Kristen, for coming on the episode here and educating my community. I look forward to more collaborations with you. And I had a great time today. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic conversation with Maria and Kristen. If you did, please text this episode to a friend. Text it to a woman right now who might be going through midlife, who might be going through menopause, perimenopause, or even cycling women out there. Copy the link, text it to them in a text message. It can make a big difference for them in their life in their future. If you haven't left the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please do so today as it really helps the show grow and reach more people. Be sure to check out all the links and the resources in the podcast notes where you could find Maria and Kristen's website, their awesome Instagram, their Mighty Network uh, link that we spoke about can all be found in the podcast notes. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.